Podcast that leads a woman willingly around the highways and byways of Monty Python. I'm Christopher, and this is the Misses. Hi, I'm Fiona. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We hope you enjoy it. So now it's all on the big screen in colour. Same size screen for me. True. Did you notice any uh, change in the cinematic version of Monty Python's Flying Circus? Well, it wasn't. It was called then now for something completely different. It was. And. It very much was not something completely different. Now, this would be the point at which the QI klaxon would go off for you demonstrating the most obvious opinion about the film and now for something completely different, that basically it's all just repeated sketches from the TV series. So were they just being ironic? Um, not necessarily, because the reason for it, the reason that it was made, was to try to crack the American market. Who so wouldn't they, have seen the TV series? So this, the first, this was their first exposure to Monty Python in a, and it would be in the cinemas. That was the plan. Yes. Sounds like it didn't go to plan. Well, basically, my understanding of the background is that there was a guy called Victor Lowndes who ran the Playboy Club in London, mm-hmm. uh, American. Uh, he became friendly with John Cleese. He was aware of Monty Python. He enjoyed Monty Python, mm-hmm. the TV series. And um, he approached John Cleese and said, look, um, in America, they have this thing called the college circuit, which is basically films being shown on campuses. Mm. Um, and you might be right, because the, the Pythons were all very clear. America will never get this. It, it's a very never, British humour, yes, I think. They will never, you know, they, will, they, won't, they won't enjoy it, etc. Um, but what Victor Lowne said was, but the campus circuit, college kids, they like all this sort of crazy stuff. Um, and there's however many thousand colleges in America. We could make this for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, and if we rent it out at two thousand dollars a campus, mm-hmm. which seemed to be the going rate apparently, then once we've got past whatever that would be, 50 campuses. Mm-hmm. We're making money. Mm-hmm. We could make a million dollars. Ooh, a million dollars. So, yep, yeah, he put up the one. He put up half of the money um, and get other backers to do that, and they would do it. Um, so that was the sort of idea. But what happened was, once the film was made, the distributors um, kind of went, well, I'm not really sure about this. So it's Is not Because the censorship kind of sucked. Just kind of exactly what they thought, which was like, America won't understand yeah. this. And so as far as I can see, it never even got to the point where campuses were being asked, do you fancy showing this yeah. film? Um, which, you know, the system didn't really work like that. So it actually came out in Britain first, which was the, one of the things that they'd said, was we can't charge people to see stuff that we've already put on the TV. Mm-hmm. But um, the British side were like, yeah, yeah, we can do this, come on, because Britcom movies were big uh, at that time. Um, it did eventually get distributed in America, but only because, something that you'll find out about in the very near future, 
um, an American record label picked up their recordings, their LPs, mm-hmm. um, and they felt this would be a good way to promote the LPs. Ah, there's a cross promotion right. here, so they had they had some clout with mm-hmm. uh, cinema distributors, um, and that was how it eventually came out in America. But a year after it was intended to uh, come out in America, mm-hmm. so that's that was the story of, uh, and now for something completely different. So why did they call it and now for something completely different and not Monty Python's Flying Circus? I don't know. That's, I've never really thought about that. I've never, it's not really come up anywhere. Maybe. They wanted something in the title to literally intrigue people into, oh, mm-hmm. they're, they're saying something different. And know. certainly, if you think about it as going to a market that has never seen Monty Python before, it is completely different to any other kind mm. of humour that they but might have But Flying Circus would, it, it, it's just random and it wouldn't give an indication of what it was. Yeah, and it was kind of a last gasp title. Anyway, yeah, well, we spoke about that, if you remember. <laughs> I don't think I it, do. it became known in the BBC as Barry Took's Flying Circus. It was just this, this, Barry Took's making this programme with all kinds of different folk, and it became, oh, it's like a flying circus. Uh, and that kind of got attached to it, and then mm-hmm. they came up with Monty Python. Um, so that was that. The German title, I think, was the, was, for this. For, was, for this, well, I think was great. It translated as, Monty Python's Wonderful World of Gravity, which I think is is bizarre and surreal without being too bizarre, mm. too you know, too on the nose about it. Okay. So now, if I was to say which sketches are the best of what I've seen so far, mm-hmm. I would say probably quite a few of them are in this production. Mm-hmm. So even though I did see it before, I, I'm not. There's only one or two that I thought shouldn't have made the cut. Oh. But what I find with Monty Python is what makes you laugh, often inwardly with me, (laughs) is the unexpected. So I don't enjoy watching something again. It's almost like you have to get to the point, like I probably have with the parrot sketch, that you need to watch it so much that it's actually... um, a nice feeling of nostalgia that you get when you watch it again. <laughs> Whereas I'm not quite there with most of this. So I've, I know the pi- I know the punchline, so it's not unexpectedly funny, but I don't know it well enough to fondly find it amusing. That's understandable. And the so good I news. I didn't enjoy much of this. Well, the good news is, on the basis that you feel you might become nostalgically fond of it, the good news is, depending on how far we go with this, you'll have plenty of opportunities. I know, they do tend to <laughs> stick with something that works, don't they? Yes. Right. So is there anything, before we get on to what is in it, was there Ooh. anything that you thought... I don't remember these things. Well, tell, okay. tell me your opinion of what should have made the cut that didn't. Well, it's, it, it's difficult to say because even though some of this stuff was in kind of as late as the sort of last couple of episodes of the second series, mm. the Dirty Hungarian Freezebook, although I know mm. they were recorded out of order, uh, or shown out of recording order, but I would have thought something like the Spanish Inquisition. Well, that's true. Could have made it. Um, so that, that that's sort of the big one that kind of jumped out to me as being that that's the one I would have put in. Mm. Um, there. One of the things, one of the criticisms that often gets levelled at it is there's an awful lot of men sitting behind desks in this film. 
What do you think? Well, it's something that gets said a lot. Okay. Um, because one of the things that they did film for it, or two of the things they did film for it that were taken out, were uh, Ken Shabby. Do you remember that? He wanted to marry a young girl. He was a sort of road sweeper. Oh, yeah, yeah. cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was filmed. And the one that you enjoyed, the Anglo-French... Oh, uh, um, sheep, sheep with the uh, airplane. Airplane, yeah. yeah. Um, and some of the Pythons lobbied quite hard to get them back in because it broke up the number of men in offices mm. behind desks. Um, so, I, which I think is it's a reasonable, um, especially at one point there's a there's a sketch involving John Cleese and Eric Idle sitting either side of a desk, followed immediately by another sketch involving John Cleese and Eric mm. Idle sitting either side of a desk. Um, so. Interesting. Um, I had a thought there. It has escaped me. What do you say after Spanish Inquisition? Ken Shabby. Men, in de- men behind desks. No, there wasn't another one that you thought should have been in there. No. I didn't mention one, no. It might come back to me, sorry. Okay, well, shall we start with what is there, then? Mm-hmm. So we started with How Not To Be Seen. Which was the people in camouflage. Well, not really camouflage. I thought it was in camouflage, because there is another sketch that does that somewhere. Anyway, uh, but they're more just hiding behind things or lying down mm-hmm. in, in the topography in such a way you can't see them on the camera. And they just uh, ask them to stand up. They stand up, they get shot. Mm. Or then they get blown up. And then they're a bit hesitant to stand up. Um... I, well, I did find when Mrs. Smegma, first of all, Mrs. Smegma, mm-hmm. was asked to shoot, to stand up, and then it was basically a pepper pot that you were shooting. Mm-hmm. That made it a little funnier. Yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Nesbitt wouldn't stand up. But then it got to blowing up buildings a bit randomly, which wasn't funny. Ah. And then the John Cleese at his desk was laughing at all of that, and I was just like, it's not funny. Oh, so um, see, I thought I thought quite a good one to start the film with because it kind of introduces you to a lot of the aspects of the humour right away, particularly the sort of dark side of the humour. Yes, and it's it's not it's not um, odd enough to throw the audience off right from the start. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. the concept of what it is and why it's funny Mm -hmm. is not too bizarre. So, yes, I agree. It probably is a good one to start with. I wish it had just ended without the buildings bit. Okay. What did you think of it? Um, I thought what struck me immediately was you could see, which is odd, because you could see the space that was involved. It it looked like a big production. Oh, uh, really? Which is odd, because well, the original, you... because the TV series is filmed outdoors as well, with explosions. Etc. I mean, you notice these things. You notice yeah. the difference between film and video. Yes. Um, I am not of that type. Um, and so it, it didn't even, as I say, we watch it on the same size screen. Yeah. I didn't notice that this was a cinematic production. Okay. All right. Um, the other thing about this is this was the only appearance of a Gumby, which is something else I might have put, might have been a way uh... to sort of thread them through. The film, but the only appearance of the Gumby was one of the, I think it was the neighbour who told them where somebody was, and they blew him up as well. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that might have made the cut was that hedgehog, Grimsdale. <laughs> Spiny Norman, Dunsdale. That was close, close. I think, I think the problem with that whole sketch That is, is very British. 
Yes, and it's a very and British bit, story. I'm not sure how and I think known that is. Even the cartoon bits that they had in were a bit bizarre. Mm-hmm. But I think what was funny was the very visual, unexpected things of tuning nipples, cutting heads off, and things mm-hmm. like that. The, the the Dinsdale thing was just odd. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Americans would have said, I just don't get it. Well, bear, well the, the choice of... The choice of sketches, again, this is all a bit vague. Certainly, Victor Lowne seems to have had quite a big say in which sketches he thought should he be He was big involved. like a filter of what Americans would of, like. Would might accept vaguely yeah. to, to get them into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it seemed like, I, I don't know, Cleese was obviously the, the conduit to that. And it did seem to me as though Cleese was quite heavily featured. But then he had been heavily featured in the TV series anyway. I think there's a lot of very strong please characters mm-hmm. in here, so it's mm-hmm. not like you think someone else should have been doing that. But then equally, you know, there's a reason why John Cleese is the most famous, mm. internationally famous python, because he is a strong python, mm. you know? Um, so, but so, but the point I was making there was, I think he had a bit more, bit more say than the others, although mm. I think the others did all have a say in, in what should be in and what shouldn't. Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things I thought watching it this time, and I appreciate you probably didn't um, do this, was I don't think there was any recasting of parts. I think uh, I think all the parts were played by the same people who played them on the television. Well, I'm sure that's the case because they would have got good doing them for the television. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I I think they're quite good at knowing who's going to be good at which character. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we have the titles. Did you have anything to say about the... Uh, well, I just uh, I didn't understand the Playboy production link, but now you've explained oh, well, that to me. That was the for that. Um, and then it was the end, which yes. you know is a very standard Monty Python thing to do. Now <laughs> is is start with the middle, go to the end, and then go back to the beginning again. Mm-hmm. But again, not something that remember what, who you're making it for. No, I know, I so. know. But I mean, I did quite like Terry Jones on the stage in the wee spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, that was new. Something that and it did look that. like a cinema at that point. Mm-hmm. Which makes more sense uh-huh. with... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be what kind of thing they were they were watching. In um, terms of scale and the position of him, as if he'd yes. come out in front of the big screen and yeah, say, oh, yeah, I'm exactly, sorry, we've yes. done something wrong here. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had uh, Palin doing the tape recorder up the nose thing. Mm-hmm. I thought this was simple, old school silly. Oh. And uh, not... Though this was the point where I was like, is it all going to be stuff we've seen before? Mm-hmm. And yes, it was. But I I quite like that. It's almost getting to the fondness bit for that one. Well, I was going to say because... You've seen it later times. Oh, well, you enjoyed Palin and Chapman's performances the first time round. Yeah. It was minimal but effective. Was your was your view? I, w- I would stand by that. All right. <laughs> I like You're going to tell me all what I've said. I, I can do oh, if you need to. What did it, I say about the cameo people? But this is quite interesting. The cameo people. No, sorry, the camo people. The hit hiding. How not to be seen? Ah, yeah. I haven't done the later ones, and that's one of those. Okay, that's fine. So I can't tell you what you thought at the moment about how not to be seen or the dirty Hungarian phrase book, but I can tell you everything else. Oh, how interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I still have the same opinion. Well, that's but that's just one of the things you were saying about how you this that you might develop a nostalgic fondness for mm. things that you didn't at first mm-hmm. uh, enjoy. This was part of the point of of doing the podcast. Look, look it's at all happening. Look it's at happening. The in I'm, your eyes. I'm getting results. I'm getting results from my experiment. I'm data. <laughs> 
yes, so I like the fact that that was shot on a different ratio. Oh, so. you and your ratios, for heaven's sake. <laughs> How geeky can you get? But I thought it gives a bit of variety to, you know, to a sketch film in which the sketches can be quite different. There's the animation bit, obviously. The, this one was in, like, a sort but of sepia picture. Yeah, the, 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 the sepia picture and it looking like an old bit of film mm-hmm. is why it had to be the ratio it was. Yeah. But, they, well, they could have just stuck it in the same ratio and just made it look old or whatever. Yeah, yeah you know, a bit of work went in there. Hats off to the Pythons on that one. Um, that then went into the Dr. Hungarian phrase book, which I have to say, I think it's probably one of my favourite of all Monty Python sketches. I like Gleaser's performance in this. Mm-hmm. I like the way that he says things as if, am I getting this right? Yeah, no, I have got this right. Oh, right, yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of tone of voice. Um, and I thought Terry Jones as a sort of respondent was was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I did quite like this. I I found the um, going to the the court about the person who put the book in circulation in the first place mm-hmm. was very unsatisfying because it kind of didn't go anywhere or it stopped before. Yes, you... there was a bit more to that in the TV series. Oh, is that what happened? Yes, um, than, than than we got here. Um, yeah, which is interesting, you know. That but was it in the TV series that you had um, the sound of someone being punched and um, the policeman hearing it, yes. responding, but yes. then going into lots of different shops and being the wrong shops? Or was that a different sketch? Oh, no, I think that might have been this. I think that and might they have cut been that right. bit out. Yes. And you also saw him in the TV series, again, oddly, I think it was one of the, uh, they're trying to fill the 30 minutes. Didn't we see him running from a very long way away? Yeah. But uh, this time he just knocked an old biddy off the bike and stole the bike. Yes. Which I did find quite funny, because mm. I always think hurting, hitting old people is funny. Isn't that bad? Isn't that bad? I see. Let, let's, let's, in the psychiatrist's chair. I think it's more the wrongness of it, the naughtiness mm-hmm. of it. The transgression. Yes. If <laughs> you like the transgression. Yes, um, and they get their comeback later on. Yeah. I was surprised by the enormous range of tobacco products that were available in Terry Jones. And I think this is it's interesting. But that's what tobacconists are like. I know, but you, but it's how you've forgotten that in this when certainly it's all in hidden. Britain it's all hidden away. You know, and, and I know I think that's probably right, mm. but um, you forget, on the street that I used to live when we were at university, there was a tobacconist. Oh, a proper one. A proper that one. That had all different flavoured. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a friend of mine who smoked a pipe, uh, he enjoyed a rough shag, um, used to go there uh, for you know, tobacco who products. Who smokes a pipe at oh. university? Uh, no, not a friend of mine post-university. A work colleague, in fact. Oh, I was thinking you were talking about some of your more dramatic friends. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't think anybody smoked a pipe. Not a lot of my friends actually smoked, I don't think. I'll tell you, somebody who smoked. You smoked. <gasps> Jacques. <laughs> I didn't get to but you never went to the back of it, didn't you? You <laughs> and 20 silk cut or whatever. <laughs> well, well, what, have, you know. well uh, marble rights seem to be the, the fag of choice for the young person. Is yeah. that right? Would that be? Would the, did you well, think everybody did everybody smoke that, or did some of them have you know 
players. Players. Oh no, Mayfair was the cheaper alternative. Oh, is it because they were cheap? Was Marlborough cheap? No, Mayfair was the cheaper alternative to to Marlborough. But I think Silk Cut was also quite. But Silk Cut were a lighter. Uh-huh. So for the lightweights. Oh, oh, where are they? <laughs> but I thought Marlboro light, light was lighter. That's what lighter than Marlboro, but right. not as light as silk cut. Uh, oh, yeah. These okay. are things I haven't Sorry. thought of for was a long time. <laughs> you know. Do you need to pop out for a fag? <laughs> yeah, but two pounds sixty-seven when I started. Well, I think I think that's part of why I never the cost of it smoke. <laughs> You're so tight. Because, no, because well, I am that. But when I was um, sixteen, I worked in a supermarket mm. and one of my jobs was to put out the price changes oh and you had to do it all the time i had to do it all the time with for cigarettes and i just saw okay i, th- I think they doubled in price in the time that i worked in I that think, shop I think which was right. only which was only two years mm. um so, so that was tax related which was tax related yeah um but again you know that was part of the government's strategy for trying to stop people smoking. Yeah. It certainly worked with me. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not spending this kind of money on this. Uh, drink went up a lot less in this game. <laughs> um, so, yes. So, after that diversion into um, tobacco products, uh, I also like that both Terry Jones as the second Hungarian who we saw and John Cleese were dressed exactly the same. Like, this is what Hungarians dress well, like. Well, I was feeling, is that a bit too stereotypical? I I don't know, I don't know. I I was gonna let I was gonna give it a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I think I mean you obviously needed it to recognize. I mean obviously you could tell by the sketch, but well, they were, rec- yeah, they were reading the same book. But I think I think it was just it did make it funnier, so maybe mm. we'll let it allow it. And that then went into some animation, which was the um, hand trees. I quite like them. Had I seen them before? You have, yes. All the animation, I don't think there's any new animation here, although apparently it was all remade for a 35mm camera, um, and it did look beautiful, I have to say, uh, although it looks good on the new DVD, or the new Blu-rays anyway. Um, your view on the hands previously, you said you quite liked it now, this time? Mm-hmm. I think you liked it then as well. A lot of the animation, oddly, is from the second series, whereas most of the sketches are from the first series. Make of that what you will. I found that quite a peaceful scene, is what you said. <laughs> See, a previously. feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you had the um, the head being covered in shaving foam, and then literally covered. Mm-hmm. And then cut off. I laughed out loud then. As you did before. Really? When it was gigglesome in its unexpectedness. I still unexpected it. I know. <laughs> it, it would, to be fair, it was a different character whose head got lopped off, but apart from that, it was identical. Well, I just thought that was, yeah, I enjoyed that. Okay, and that went into the Marriage Guidance Counselor. Now, I wonder when this film was made. Could you tell by the decor of this sketch that it was made in the early 70s? Not as much as some other sketches. Oh, this, I thought this was the one that was really? the oh. What did you the love about lamps. <laughs> the lamps. You always love a 70s oh, lamp. I love a 70s lamp. The screen that she went behind mm-hmm. to get undressed. The, I, the what, what annoyed me most of all was there was some sort of sofa or chaise long behind the screen which looked from the bits you could see amazing. It was like, come on, let's see this sofa. I don't think I even noticed there was something behind oh, the sofa. The what? The the wall hangings. There was there were two wall hangings, both which both of which featured circles. One was kind of. <laughs> 
a, a, a top and bottom um, border of a sort of greeny brown. Mm-hmm. It was a sort of deep red in between and a big same colour greeny brown of circle in the middle. Mm-hmm. Dot, big dot and I loved that. And then when um, Michael Palin's character came out of the office into the sort of waiting room area. There was a white hanging with again a circle that was like a, an O but it was kind of chevroned in black and white. Beautiful. Loved it. The only thing that was slightly odd was there was a massive picture of Ted Heath. Which I didn't really understand why why that would be there at all. But there it was. But there we go. But but enough of the set dressing. Marvellous though it was. What about the sketch? What? Just what... Let's pause on the set dressing. Yeah. Why does the phone? Our... There was one of them little phones, like they had in the prisoner, with the the little. Uh, okay, it was like a, the base was like a flattened sphere, and then a little sort of horn came out oh, of it. Oh, okay. amazing! Why does our house not feature these things? If you're so because they're expensive. Because oh, of course. <laughs> maybe we should. Maybe that we could make that your set your. 40th birthday present. Oh, yeah, I still haven't bought. Yeah. All these years, nearly two years later. We've got Abigail's party, which is yeah, a table. I'm, I'm <laughs> that we've named. That we've named Abigail's party. It's original. It was my, my parents had I know, I've been threatening to... Uh... I know, you'll never get... I'll never let you throw it away. Okay. I'll bear that in mind. <laughs> it's handy. It's a good size. No, it, it, it's a good table, but its practicality is what wins it over for me, not the way it looks. Oh, and the way it looks is amazing. <laughs> anyway... Let's move on to the sexy yes, wife so. and the nerdy yes. husband. Now, obviously, the whole idea of this was the managed guidance counsellor was leering over the sexy wife from moment one. Even though I don't enjoy this sketch, I thought that Eric Idle did it very well. Oh. Uh, I, I believed him. Oh, that he was that he was attracted to Carol Cleveland yes. in her low cut top and yes. short skirt. Yes, um, and the blatantness was, I suppose, quite funny because you know um, Palin didn't notice and was just rabbiting on about how the marriage he, he was suspicious of her and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But it was so blatant, I just felt awkward for I don't know. I didn't enjoy <laughs> it. Well, interestingly, your previous view was, I didn't like it, but you did single out a particular performance as being good. Was it? But it wasn't Idol, it was Palin who you thought was good. Oh, well, no, I do think, I think Palin was good. Yeah. I thought Palin was exceptional in this one, actually. Yeah, especially when he went out Yes. and, and spoke to himself. Well, God spoke to him, and yeah. then he spoke to himself, yeah, mm-hmm. and went straight back in, and then got kicked straight back out again. Mm. Uh, that went into. What did you think about it? Oh, I thought I thought it was yeah, I thought it was good. I think um, there's a. I think I'd subscribe to the sort of traditional view of a nerve something completely different, which is that it's all well and good, but the TV versions are better. I'm not sure I I agree with that anymore. I think I might have come round to thinking actually this this was often the way people saw Python, mm. especially the sketches, because it was on TV and stuff in the way that the, the series wasn't when when we were younger. Um, and I think I probably saw this before I saw most mm. of the TV series. Um, but I would kind of now say actually this probably is a good introduction to Monty Python. Um, I think the sketches, for their shortness, for for the sort of them not 
rambling out as as sometimes the, the TV ones do. Um, I think they benefit from that. I think they also benefit from having been performed once, at least, on TV. They'd started to do some live performances by now that included some of these. Yeah, right. Uh, perhaps not when they were filming this, maybe. Oh, that was what no. I... Re- sorry, that's what I remembered. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to say earlier. Uh-huh. The sketch that I like that wasn't in it, but I'm not sure we've actually seen yet, <laughs> is I've Come for an Argument. Oh, we've, have we seen I've Come for an Argument? I think we have seen the argument. So that's what I think should have made the cut. Ah, maybe we haven't seen the argument yet. No, I don't think we have. Okay. I don't believe we have. So look out for that. I might be disappointed once I see it again, but it's in my memory. That would be another man behind a desk sketch. That would be actually. I would say the one we've seen, the other one we've seen that I'm not sure I would put it in, but I'm surprised it wasn't. Was the Ministry of Silly Walks? No, that's true. Since they basically based, they almost based a whole. The whole uh, Montreux special around the Ministry of Silly Walks. Okay, so that went then on to the... Um, what was I saying there? Yes, yeah, so, so... Sorry. So, yeah, so I think what I was saying was about... Yes, I, I, I know... I actually think this is actually... My, my, this has gone up in my opinion mm. since previously. Um, and I do think it, I think it is better than I thought it was before. So that went on to the baby carriage, the uh, the carnivorous baby carriage Which animation. We've seen before, mm-hmm. but still, I thought quite funny, uh, unexpected, and I don't know. Even though it did just repeat the same joke, it didn't feel like it repeated the same joke for too long. Mm-hmm. And then they turned it back on the on. I also, I the particular point I enjoyed is when the pram first ate a person, mm-hmm. and the pram. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of wiggle their feet in a delight. Yes, their feet lifted yes. up with their giggles. I I noted that. As the yeah, no, that, I, that well. I quite like. What I thought was interesting was I, when I saw this on the TV series, I was, I would have, if you asked me to describe it, I would have said the pram is being pushed by a sinister-looking old woman. Uh huh. I'm not so sure it was a woman now. Oh. This time. I mean, they're so caricatures. It is really mm. hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, and that then went into the uh, Michelangelo's David, which we've seen loads of times. Now I was a bit bored with. Well, there was until there was a complaining old lady instead of his penis, which was a different face to what we had before, uh, but was the same as okay. what happened on the TV. Um, I quite like that. I like the sort of anticipation of the hand coming in and going back, and slightly coming in and going back. But more than that, because we'd seen this before, one had the opportunity to look elsewhere, and the mountains in the background. Mm where a sort of, um, it was almost like they were tie-dye, kind of, not quite tie-dye, but but a pattern on them. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, it was more sort of a, a sort of, yeah, organic, I really liked it. A sort of organic-looking mm-hmm. um, pattern. Not a pattern, because they'd been created in that mm. way, like blobs and that. Mm. I quite like that. They come up later as well. Uh, so that's why I, I particularly mentioned them. Okay. Uh, and then we went into uh, Nudge Nudge. Now, I like this character. Mm-hmm. But when you know what the punchline is, it loses it a little bit, I think. Okay. Um, but again, they both did it very well. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Terry Joe's kind of pretending not to know what he's talking about. I think trying to sort of shut down the yeah. conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But he does it, but Eric Idle does it very well. Yes. Loads of goods a week to a blind bit and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that then went into a, a very much curtailed, possibly to its detriment, I think, uh, self-defence class sketch. Between? Between? There was uh, a man-nun on a rowing machine. Oh, the man-nun on the, man the rowing machine was in the gym where the self-defence yes, class Yes, but I don't happening. consider that part of the same sketch. Oh, do you not? Okay. The man was Terry Gilliam, by the way. Was oh, that him? Uh-huh. Um... And and he just saying I think it's overrated. Uh, that was sex. Yes, coming out of nudge nudge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first comment we've said about a link. Yes. Because all the others we just cut to a new scene. Um. Maybe there's usually maybe no. There a... was normally like like the the Hungarian phrase book. The Terry Jones character became an animated character. Oh, right. And wandered off. There was often something like that. But I think it was pretty much linked. Yeah, but not as strongly as some other series. No, especially in that se- the second series when we've said they've, they've really got good at, at yeah. making the links seem yeah. properly organic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is the self-defence class. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just... I mean, Cleese is good at shouting. Mm-hmm. Um... No, I didn't enjoy this. Oh. But I think it's probably just because, you know, you remember mm-hmm. that it's all about fruit. Mm-hmm. And that's not that funny. Well, I would say I think my favourite bit of this sketch is the bit that wasn't in this but this version, which was after he'd shot the first guy. Oh, they'd say, you're just going to shoot you're me. You're going to shoot me? Yeah. Oh, I'm not going to shoot you. And then he does shoot him. Uh, what did I think of this originally? What did you think of this originally? Self-defence against first fruit. Found it funny. But the same joke repeated until he shot someone. Unexpected things, the shooting, the 16-ton weight, which we didn't get in this, although it did turn up in other sketches, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's what made it funny. So okay. you liked it because it was unexpectedness. Seeing it again yeah, would maybe explain why you didn't like it so much this time. Uh, and it was stopped by the colonel. Saying, don't get silly. Yes. I quite like that colonel. Oh, now, here's nostalgia creeping in. You didn't like the colonel the first time. I don't know. As I get, probably because he just said what I was thinking. <laughs> there we go. I think this that's a performance because that is a performance that Graham Chapman has been able to do a couple of times before now, and he has got better at it. Don't you think? I think so. All right. I think so. So then we have the Pepper Pot Gangs. Yes. Make tea, not love. Yes, and this made me ask a question. Yes. About that almost made me think. You know what I would like to do, and I, I'm not aware of anybody ever having done this, is compare the TV version with the now for something completely different version of each sketch, because I know this sketch as Hell's Grannies. Oh right, as right? in Hell's Angels. Yeah, and in this version there was a scene in which they all got on motorbikes and they had leather jackets. Hell's Grannies. I don't think that's on the TV. All right. Do you think it's for the American audience? Could be, because of course Hells Angels were American. It, it, it's a bigger thing in America. Yeah, yeah. I also thought that's good. Four motorbikes, you'd never get that on the BBC budget. <laughs> well, <there is> that <laughs> as well. So, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. Is it does Hells? And I, as I say, I have seen this sketch referred to, and I would refer to it as Hells Grannies. Mm. Um, but brilliantly done. Oh, brilliant! I love the sketch. And brilliant, in, and one bit I thought particularly brilliant was 
when they are walking down this, which is the best bit, when oh, they're the, walking down the street, people out the pushing way. people out the way in that, um, Michael Palin underplays it, mm-hmm. and he is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Terry Jones overplays it, and he is brilliant. Yes. In the same sketch. Mm. That takes some doing mm. to make that work. And, um, and then you've got Eric Idle as a sort of anthropologist mm-hmm. talking about that behaviour, um, which I liked as well. Um, but then it kind of moved on to baby snatchers, mm-hmm. babies who were actually snatching humans, yeah. grown-ups. So there's a slight, oh, I wasn't expecting that when I heard about baby snatchers. That's funny. Um, but then keep left signs, getting a bit silly now. <laughs> Which is indeed when the colonel came in to, to stop it. And indeed, it's what you said last time, was that when it came to the baby snatchers and the keep left signs, that was taking it too far. Yes. I love the keep left signs. <laughs> really? <laughs> Particularly the keep left signs. The baby snatchers are like, that's a joke, baby snatchers. Yeah. But keep left signs is a whole new idea. Vicious gangs of keep left signs. Come on. I loved it. So, yes, the colonel wanted something instead that was um, decent and military. And so we got some Camp Square bashing. Yes. Now, I, I'm sure we spoke about this before. Mm-hmm. But the pythons are on the back row. And are these, like, professional dancers that are on the front row or something that, that are doing the choreography? I think that was what we came to the conclusion oh, of okay. last time. Right. Um, and yeah. I, actually, I think the pythons were worse this time than they were the first time. Really? Yes. Um, but the, the front row were pretty good. The front row were great, yeah. I mean, the professional dancers are <laughs> right, yeah. How do we feel about... <sighs> yeah. It, it's not really for us to feel True. offended or not offended by this. I would... <sighs> it was so stereotypical mm-hmm. of the time mm-hmm. of what I thought was intended to be portraying homosexuals Mm -hmm. now i know that being camp and being homosexual are two different things Mm -hmm. and that's better understood now Mm -hmm. but i think at the time it's not and as such i'm uncomfortable okay do you feel that's i don't i I wouldn't argue against anybody who felt uncomfortable by in watching this sketch my only my the only line of defence I would take for it is, I think the joke is in the unexpectedness, not in the. Oh, it's just we're the polar opposite yeah. of a, a macho army man. Yes, we're not laughing at homosexuals mm. because they are homosexual. We're laughing at camp, at the campery, in, a, in a usually very macho mm. situation. Yeah, I suppose. But I don't know, but again, it's not for me to decide whether yeah. that's acceptable or not. And as I, say, I wouldn't argue with anybody who, you know, who, who had yeah. the opposite view. Um, that then, the colonel stopped that as well, didn't he, I imagine? I can't remember. <laughs> and then we got the animation of the prince in the black spot. Um, again, a bit silly. Mm-hmm. I did quite like it when the black spot came across another black spot on the bench and they went canoodling with them. Yeah. Um, but there was comments about black as the ace of spades. Yes. And that is the neighbourhood gone. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it was said in such a satirical way. Does yes. that make it okay? Don't know. <laughs> and I think, I think the other point is that um, that was then undercut by, yes, the neighbourhood did go, but not in the way that it was meant. Basically, the, all the buildings, all the buildings except the ones that the black spot in, uh, the black spots inhabited, uh, inhabited, cracked and yeah. collapsed. I think I wasn't watching about that point. All right, okay. My favourite bit of this was when the black spot first detached itself from the prince, who I noticed did die of cancer. If you remember on the TV, although we saw him die of cancer, he was later dubbed over to die of gangrene because cancer wasn't a suitable subject for humour. Um, it then <laughs> hit a man, and the, there was two men in a scene. The man at the front, the black spot attacked, was going blah, 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 blah. And the man at the back, when the black spot hit him, went wah-ha-ha-ha. And I liked the wah-ha-ha-ha toy. So that was my, my comment on that one. Um, and then we went up some stairs in the animation. This is the link. Mm-hmm. And into an office where an expedition to Kilimanjaro was being planned. Oh, yes. Yes. I didn't like this one. Oh, no, I don't, I'm sure you didn't like it before. Oh, no. Very good. I do think Cleese was good at it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also Idol's reaction. Mm-hmm. Idol was laughing at one point. On a film. On a film. I had plenty of time to retake and stuff. It was good though. I thought, I thought they were both very good in this. But I think it's because I'd seen it before that it wasn't a second viewing type of one. Oh, I thought it was a second viewing. You enjoyed it more one. now, you see Yeah, it. when you're watching all the bits and, and waiting for the bit when it kind of flips round um, to be in that John Cleese thinks there's two of him as well. Yeah. Um, and wait, I thought, actually, I thought Chapman wasn't quite so good this time when he comes in as the actual mountaineer. No, that's true. But I think the set wasn't as wasn't as Almost wasn't as claustrophobic and uh. full of stuff to knock over as the, as yeah. the TV set had been. Um, but I thought, I thought there was great reactions all round on it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that sketch. Uh, the only, again, the joke that wasn't there was at the end, um, the punchline is, or the punchline here is, he said, Eric Idle walks out mm. and John Cleese says, what about you? And the other, and there's another Eric Idle there. Um, and he says, well, I'm game. And then in the TV, it cut back to two John Cleases going, well, seems like a good idea. Let's get going. Mm. So you've got a kind of mm. next punchline that we didn't get here. But anyway, there we go. Uh, that then went into the bikini lovelies. Cut to breasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and other sexy women. Mm-hmm. And the heavy breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had John Cleese in a bra on a desk. Mm-hmm. I also quite like the fact there was a woman of colour as one of the sexy women. Yes, which, I think there was on TV as well. Yeah, I, which must have been quite unusual in those days. I think so. Hats off to them. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's exactly what, you know, you know, you know, you know what the best thing about this is going to be. We're going to look like we're, you know, uh, giving you know, equal opportunities, etc. But we're still going to have a lot of nice women in very clothing, aren't we? I, I oh, should, don't worry, we're still having that. Yeah, I should be more upset by this than, than just going, oh, at least I've got some representation. Um, yeah, that wasn't that funny. I, I particularly didn't like the heavy breathing mm-hmm. that went with it. And then we cut to the policeman. 
Yes. I, I, I really like this. It, this little I lo- I, the bit I enjoyed bit. most especially now that I knew what was happening uh-huh. was that pause yeah between what he'd asked him and the do you want to go back to mine <laughs> you know because <laughs> you knew what was coming and yeah. I was just oh yeah I, I like that little bit I, I, I wanted to do it uh, and then we went to the um flasher yeah well I mean after the week we've had I don't remember think... this is a timeless podcast okay after having Mother's Day mm-hmm. and the, uh, can I explain what week we've had? Well, I was just going to say, just say, uh, we've become more aware of. Become more aware of, um. The bothering of women on the streets. Yes. I, d- I can't find this funny. Oh, okay. You did before. Well, I've changed my mind. Okay. I thought Terry Jones was very good. <laughs> and obviously when we did see what he was flashing it was just the mm-hmm. word boo but still this, this, this is exactly what the world is talking about at the moment which is making women feel unsafe and uncomfortable on the street yeah but this was just a film they were making but we shouldn't encourage it or show it well that's encourage that. that it could happen mm. shall we move on to the communist conspiracy because it's somehow more comfortable <laughs> are we slightly more comfortable with uh, racial stereotypes i i didn't fight uh, this was, was this was satirical about U.S. defense. Can nine out of ten small countries, uh, you know, prefer U.S. defense to to stop uh, communism? And like like an advert, yeah. Yeah. But the 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 chi- it, I thought it was Chinese children. Is that right? <laughs> no, I think they were just supposed to be small people. Okay. Slightly but racist, possibly. But they were definitely the baddies. Oh, definitely, yeah. But then that that in the in the context of the advert, they were. Yeah. I'm going to defend this. Are you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to defend this. Defend it? I, I'm going to defend it uh, from the point of view of it being satirical um, and it exaggerating the threat of international communism oh, so by think, showing them in this stereotypical So you way. think it was actually um, pouring criticism on US defence? Oh, definitely. And therefore, it's acceptable because it was, it was mocking. Punching up, not punching down. Yeah, it punching was, west, not punching it, east. It, it it was it was mocking the whole idea that they were that bad. Yes. Okay, I can see where you're coming from for that. Mm-hmm. Well traversed. Okay. I also thought that well, I don't know. There probably were stereotypical features of Chinese people, but I didn't think it was as bad as it could have been. Is that a defence? I think not. I think the cartoon nature of it made it a bit more comfortable. The clearly were, yeah, but does it? I don't know. I mean, they were like yellow. Yes, but they were well the uh, the the sort of hordes, but were yellow. But they were all yellow, and the, every element of their clothes, yeah, hair, yeah, etc., was yellow. It wasn't just their skin. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. This is actually a question to 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 ponder. Maybe in these days, the uh, chairman Mao, his skin was yellow, but can you get away with it for specific individuals? That is yellow. Well, okay. His skin. In fact, I would say his skin tone was a realistic skin tone color of. Oh, the the. the, the Yes. The cartoon? Yes. I thought it was more 
primary colour, than that. Oh, do you think? Alright, okay. But you might be right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is not the place to have this discussion. I just wonder about that. When you're depicting a specific individual, is the, you know, are the rules different? I don't know. The stereotyping. Yes. I mean, you could say it's just caricaturing, uh-huh. which you would do for a British person or, you know. Yeah. Um, but I know there's sensitivity around that as well. Yes, I mean, you could caricature a Jewish person to have a big nose, and I don't think that would be right. Yeah, yeah. Or a Scot to have ginger hair. Yeah, I am not so bothered about that. It's not so derogatory, is it? No. But that's because the whole caricature isn't going to be so derogatory, or potentially so derogatory. Well, no, no, we're off. I'm classing myself as this, I'm not really, I'm an interloper, but what about the drunk... Scott. But it's, it's still like different from what some other ethnicities or nationalities get stereotyped as. Mm. Anyway, uh, that became the advent for Crelm Toothpaste, which also had the tie-dye hills in it, by the way. Oh, right. Just okay. if you hadn't noticed them either. And then Conrad Poos and his dancing teeth. Oh, you love that one. I know. I love the, I love the anticipation of the teeth. I hate the, the anticipation. It's only... I only enjoyed it the first time because I wasn't expecting the teeth to do what they did. Um, uh, and that led into the mouse organ. The peephole club. I've got like four things club. between. Oh, yeah, okay. Tell me then. Um, trail oil. Yes, that was part of those adverts. Yeah, police out, hands up, and then a weight fall down on them. Oh, well, that might have been happening there as well, yes, ah, that was in the thing. 20th Century Frog? Yes, that was... You missed out all of that. Sorry. Sorry. 20th Century Frog, I think, presented Conrad Poos and his dancing teeth. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. What you got next? Then I've got 23 my- White Mice. Okay, musical. 23 White Mice, the musical mice. And then you just bashed them. Yes. And, again, it was probably okay because that person was booed on the telly for having done that. <laughs> and you knew it wasn't real mice, obviously. No. They looked less real here than they did on the TV. I think the ones on the TV looked rather good. Looked rather better than these ones. Mm. But maybe that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was then being chased, as you say, through the studio for It's the Arts, an interview with Sir Edward Ross. Now, this one was painful to listen to again. <laughs> because you knew what was coming. You knew the entire sketch was him explaining... Asking if it's okay to call him Ed, and then Eddie Baby ended up calling him Eddie Baby, and it was just he just went on and on about it, and it just reminds me of people like at work who labour a point, and you're just like, let's just get on with the meeting. <laughs> I think you might be letting real life <laughs> impinge a bit too much on well, this. Sometimes uh, in- when you relate to mm-hmm. situations being. Uh, a light being shined on that you like it because you can relate and sometimes you don't like it because you can relate yes okay uh, well this is the reverse of your nostalgia it was the best bit of the episode it was in before but it was huh? the unexpected yeah, I wasn't I, I think mm-hmm. knowing that it's, it's the entire sketch yeah mm-hmm. uh, Graham Chapman had a lovely pair of velvet trousers on in this uh, in your 70s in my 70s <laughs> <Found> <laughs> yep mm-hmm. uh 
Then uh, our favourite, and the one we've been waiting for, the version we've been waiting for all this time, The Seduction of the Milkman. What was different with this version to the previous version? This version version is the one that has the voiceover that says, the room is full of milkmen, some of them are very old. So is this, that was never in the TV one? That wasn't in the TV one. Did you just add it when we watched it before, or...? No, you when we watched it before, you said, well, what about that? And I said, oh, let's wait and see. Ah, I see. But this is obviously just because you use that phrase quite a bit, but I have the fondness for this sketch. Yes, because I think we probably told this story on the episode, uh, but um, in one of our homes that we have lived in, uh, next door in the garden, there was a very large shed which I believe may have been a games, a, room. a games room or a jacuzzi or something like that. It's not there anymore. It's not there. No, I know. That's because the person that moved in after the first person that lived there who had the, mm. this, this area uh, collapsed it, the, you know, took it down. Um, and I was most disappointed because I never saw what was inside it. Uh, and, my, and my thought was because the person that lived there was a single female, was that this would have the, the, the shed is full of milkmen. Some of them are very old, uh, as in this sketch. Yes. Palin, excellent in this sketch. Mm-hmm. No lines, nothing, uh, but you know exactly what he's thinking, how reluctant but yet excited he is about being led into this uh, into this house and into this room before discovering that the room is full of milkmen. Full of milkmen, some of them are very old. Which was being written by the writer of The Funniest Joke in the World. That's a good link. Yes. Who we'd also seen walking past the house. Did mm-hmm. you notice that? Mm-hmm. Even though he was playing Michael Palin too. Mm. Clever. Mm. Uh, so, yes, The Funniest Joke in the World. Not funny. You never thought it was funny. You didn't like it the first time either. There's a lovely bit in this where they had... Uh, the the house where it was being written, once the military had taken it over and people were coming in and out on motorbikes and stuff, you know, doing military type things, it was in black and white and it faded very, very slowly and subtly into colour. And it was beautiful. That's one for you, for you mm-hmm. your type. I thought, I thought everything was good about this. Maybe not quite as good as it had been in the first in the TV. Perhaps that's one of those. <coughs> we then got the animation, the killer cars, and the killer cat. I I quite like the killer cars. I I still find their their motion pleasing, even though they're killing cars, people. They're eating people. And the giant cat, even though I have seen it, it's unexpected again, <laughs> and I enjoyed that. I think what you said last time, and I totally agree, is it's the pose that the cat is in. Apparently, because it was being held up yeah. by Terry Gilliam's father-in-law, um, which is which makes it, and this cat stalking along with its arms hanging down. Uh, that then became uh, Botticelli's Venus and her radio nipples and her elongated dance this time, I thought. Well, I still enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Did I enjoy it before? I think you did. Uh, I, think it, I, think it does, I think it goes into the same thing, doesn't it? He, oh, no, oh, that's interesting. That was funny. It was unexpected and it came from nowhere, you said. But it came out of the parrot sketch. Oh. Whereas this time it went into the parrot sketch. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. I enjoyed the parrot sketch again. The parrot sketch. Um, I enjoyed him saying all the different ways that mm-hmm. the bird is dead. Um, 
I just uh, uh, on Choir Invisible Watch it has not yet become the Choir Invisible, which is still the Choir Invisible at this point. He eventually says it as the Choir. It is the run. The, the he got to join the Choir Invisible, but he's still the Choir Invisible at this time. Okay. Just keep an eye on that for the real fans. <laughs> Uh, and I think they're both good at that. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a lumberjack. Yes. Did you miss not having all the Bolton not lob end of the pilot sketch? Oh no, good to cut that out. Okay, we've got to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, that that uh, yes, he was going to replace it, but he didn't want to be a butcher boy. He wanted to be a lumberjack. Now I do enjoy the lumberjack song, mm-hmm. but I I was quite just that bit at the end. Mm-hmm. Where they started throwing fruit on at him, mm-hmm. I thought that was a bit harsh. Yes, but that was attitudes towards alternative lifestyles in the early seventies. You see, mm. thank goodness we're past that. Oh, hang on. Mm. <sighs> you know, the message is interesting because you know your, I think your um, sympathy is all with, with the lumberjack in that sketch. Mm. Even when Carol Cleveland kind of. Gonna go oh, good work. Thanks for playing. <laughs> One of the women um, were was upset with him, but that's okay because it was a secret being kept from her. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know, it's unfortunate. Uh, and that was then into is it the Dirty Fork sketch? Yes, right? the Dirty Fork sketch. Now, what I noticed is this was quite a seventies location. In the restaurant. The restaurant. Was, it was indeed. <laughs> Look at your little face. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just don't get restaurants like that these no. days. It was uh, linen tablecloths, small tables, um, people dress- dressing up quite fancy. Mm-hmm. All of that was pretty 70s. Mm-hmm. Not just the decor, yep. just the way they went about it. I don't, really like, I don't really like this sketch. Although there are bits in it I like. I don't like the sketch as a whole. No, I don't either. Okay. Uh, this time I liked Eric Idle saying, that's enough, Gilberto. Uh, and, of course, the wound. The wound! No, that had got silly by that point. All right. Okay, that then went into the kiss animation. The what? The kiss, and it became, it became, there was like flute holes on the woman's leg. Oh, yes. And he was playing a wee tune. Uh, and then, oh, that actually was a bit of new animation, was the building things. Which basically was a number of things that then, to build something, we just hit it with a hammer. I didn't even recall basic. that. Okay. Uh, that then became the uh, lingerie bank robbery. That, have I seen that before? Yes. I quite like it. I don't like that sketch either. I like the, um, I particularly like Please Going, um, I can't remember, something... Adopt, adapt, improve. Yeah. Some out of the round table. Yes. Uh, and this was a, this was this is the John Cleese Eric Idle across a desk sketch that was then followed by another John Cleese Eric Idle across a desk sketch, which was the office suicides. Oh, uh, I see. Well, I mean, they were across a a, a shop counter. Mm. Um, they you had um, John Cleese now for something completely different randomly in a river between those two. Oh, was that between those yeah. two? All right, okay. And then, so that was John Cleese behind the desk again. I, I know, but I don't know why it's there. Just to give just for a link. Hi, um, and then the men falling past the window. Mm-hmm. Which this suicide is not a suicide subject for you. I don't know, but it is funny when the letter writer falls out of the. Who says I've worked for twenty years in a tall building and I've never once fallen. Oh, oh the complainer yes. about yes. 
Um, I also quite liked just the interchange between, it was Idle and Cleese, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Idle saying, did you see that? And being annoyed at Cleese. Not seeing it. And also just going, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I quite like that little interlude. Then we had the butterfly animation. Which we've seen before, still don't like. Okay. Then we had vocational guidance counsellor. Vocational guidance counsellor. Vocational guidance counsellor. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I quite like this. Uh-huh. I like the fact that he's an accountant and he gets told he should be an accountant and he's upset by that. <laughs> And then he wants to be a lime tamer, and I enjoy Palin's glee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the way he j- it just slips out that he's talking about an anteater, yes. I think, is very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I like all of that. I like the fact that in, in the TV, Cleese holds up a picture of a lion and goes rah, but it works better having the footage of the lion going rah to show him what a lion was really like. What do you mean footage? An actual bit of film of a lion. Oh, I didn't. Come jumping at you. Okay. I thought that, that worked better. Uh, which, but he will have his name in lights. That's what he wanted, and the fairy granted it to him. Uh, because he will now present blackmail. Oh yes. Um, which I I enjoy. Well, I don't enjoy, but I think he does very well. The sleazy presenter mm-hmm. character. The only slightly unfortunate bit about this is uh, the youth organisation that to which they belong. To which they belong. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they're the adults involved. In, uh, you know what they meant. Cause I know mm. what they meant. Uh, yes, uh, this is also the debut because, if you recall, on the television, the nude organist was played by Terry Gilliam, uh, but now the nude organist was played by Terry Jones. Something that he becomes as a as a guy playing the organ in the blackmail studio. Oh right. And he is naked. I hadn't noticed. Oh well, perhaps, perhaps you'll notice in the future. Because we say it again, do we? <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, and that then uh, was uh, the colonel. St- the colonel or oh, the colonel. Colonel phoned in, didn't he? He was the man in the film. Yeah. Uh, and instead showed the Batley Towns Women's Guilds Battle Hell of Pearl Harbor. They're still loving doing that. They are. <laughs> But even less surrounding it. It's yeah. just, uh, this is it. They're fighting. <laughs> so it's still quite funny. Something that struck me was actually, there are not many pepper pots in this film played by the pythons. Mm. There's quite a lot of animated pepper pots, mm. but not very many, given that that's something. And that's just quite a the, big thing. Just the, the first sketch with the... But he doesn't even speak. No. Oh, but we have all of the, the granny gang. I know they're not really pepper they pots, are, but they are... They call them pepper pots. No, but they're only straight up dressed up as old mm. women. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe Victor Lounge didn't like the pepper pots. Yeah, maybe. Um, then we have the um, showing of the suggestive films. Terry Jones getting rumpy-bumpy again. <laughs> He's always the one that ends up having to fundle the attractive women. We, I think we had a discussion about who's the most who's the sexiest Python. Did we? What was the what I did think I so. say? I can't remember. I remember. I think I remember standing up for Terry Jones's earthly sexuality. Probably because you look most like him. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and then finally, uh, to finish off the upper class of the year show. Sure. 
I'm, I'm undecided. Oh, no, I think that's a bit of a change. I think you were deliberate. You were, you were not undecided before. Was I in favour or I against? I don't think so. I think you were against it. And did you say that? Didn't find it very funny. The kicking the tramp took it too far. And did you say at the time that's because I'm an upper class twit? Uh, I wouldn't have said that, I don't think. If you you can feel free to go back and listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You don't know that our podcasts aren't me commentating on your no, comments. They could be anything they what like. What a flipping idiot, eh? Yeah. Only a fool. But I know that I, I know said. of people that might listen to these uh-huh. and would tell me if you did that. Yeah, you think they would tell you. <laughs> anyway, what did you think of the uh, upper class twits of the year? I quite like the upper class twits of the year. I think it does go on a bit too long, but I do. I mean. It gets a lot of leeway from um, his father uses them as a waste paper basket. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't think it was much better than the TV version or much worse. All right. Um, yeah. So that was uh, that, that was, was the end. Well, thank you for taking me that little detour. So, uh, do you have anything? More to say about this. I can't no. think of any question. Who do you think gave good performances, bad performances? I don't think it was very much Graham Chapman in it. I would say. I thought, I mean, it's Cleese heavy. Mm-hmm. Palin probably did best I with. Think, I would agree. Um, a couple of his. Mm-hmm. His uh, uh, marriage counsellor, mm-hmm. husband, and even the, the milkman. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also starred him uh, in the Hell's Grannies mm-hmm. um, the blackmail even the Dirty Fork sketch I think he makes it watchable oh. as the sort of head waiter um, the only other person that I've starred I think uh, is Cleese um, oh no Terry Jones is the flasher Eric Idle in the mountaineering sketch uh, but Cleese in self-defence in the Dirty Hungarian phrase book mm. uh, and the mountaineering sketch, I would say. They're the best. Oh, and the vocational guidance counsellor. I think he's very good in that. Yeah, okay. As a sort of straight man kind of As thing. As a sort of straight man. Not quite the straight man, but yeah, mm. that, that that part. Um, yep. I think Michael Palin is the, is the undoubted star. Yeah, okay. Of a now for something completely different. I think I would agree. Okay. Um, it's interesting actually going through um, Michael Palin's diaries to see what they think of the film because their view really does change from they really like making it because they've got a lot more time and space Mm. and what have you Uh, and even by the time they get shown it for the first time they've kind of gone off it a bit Okay. Uh, and I think that that did kind of become the sort of received wisdom but as I say, I think I I, I did I, I reevaluated and there's something completely different when we watched it. I think yeah, it w- it time. is a good introduction if you're wanting to hit you with the good stuff all at once, mm-hmm. which you didn't do for me. <laughs> well, we're doing it in an organic way. I know, I know. Uh, How long was it? Eighty-eight minutes. That was an issue too because the, what they found was um, it was all bowling along nicely, and then at about fifty minutes or so, there was a dip. Mm. And they did a bit of recutting and, you know, sketches that they knew worked well. Um, you know, why would, why would it not be funny here? And they did a bit of recutting and every time, well, whatever order they put it in, at about 55 minutes, 
there would be a dip. Mm. And there was this sort of feeling of that's, there comes a point there where it's like you need to do something and it picks up again after mm. about 15 minutes or so. Um, so that, so yeah, I think they learned a bit about that. And certainly there's stories about Terry Jones in particular, um, insisting on things that he'd really wanted in the TV series in terms of the shot being framed like this, this, mm. uh, this angle, that angle, um, which comes into its own when they start making their own films. You know, mm. making films with more control mm. um, over it. So, but nonetheless, I think and there's something different. I think it is worthwhile. I think it's a good. I mean, we've certainly spoken about it for centuries. We have, minutes. yes. So, so that's, that's quite good. Impressive. We could have done a commentary on the film at that rate. Could have. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yes. So, are we going to carry on then? Go on then. Okay. Well, if there's nothing more to be said about. Uh, Nope. And there's something completely different. All that remains to be said is join us again the next time when we will once again introduce the Python of the Missus. Bye! Bye.